Welcome back to the Foreign Policy Profcast. My name is Mark Melton, and I am the managing editor of Providence, a journal of Christianity and American foreign policy. And today I'm going to be speaking with Stephen Howard. Stephen Howard has been writing for the journal for a little bit. He is the advocacy director for In Defense of Christians, a nonprofit and nonpartisan organization advocating for the human rights of Christians and other religious minorities in the Middle East and other parts of the world, like Nigeria. And so first off, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us today. Mark, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Stephen, could you describe what In Defense of Christians or IDC does? Absolutely. Uh, we are the voice for uh, Christian communities, as well as other, other smaller faith groups uh, in, in the Middle East, especially, uh, who are persecuted for their faith. And as you, you pointed out to, we really looked at the the Christian experience in the Middle East and have seen uh, similar instances of persecution in other regions. So now we're even lo looking uh, at countries like Nigeria, Ethiopia, India, and China. Uh, but our, our founding mission really was, was to look at uh, the genuine uh, threat that Christianity has of coming extinct in uh, the very lands where it was born. And our mission is to preserve it uh, in that region. And so today we're going to be talking about a report or the annual report from the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, or USERF. And so for listeners of the podcast, they probably already know about this a little bit because we had Nadine Maenza on the podcast last year. She chairs the U.S. Commission. And uh, so, Stephen, for those listeners who aren't already that familiar with the organization, could you describe what they do? Absolutely. And let me just give a quick shout out to Nadine Manza because she is also a board member of In Defense of Christians. She is, a, is one of nine commissioners on the uh, bipartisan and independent uh, U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. What's interesting about this body is it is a government commission, but as I stated, it's independent. And so this is a commission created by and funded by the U.S. government, but it is also a watchdog group that is able to externally look at U.S. government policy and make recommendations for how it can be improved to support religious communities. And the commission is especially empowered uh, through, uh, through its annual reports. Uh, which again, one was just re uh, released last week, uh, to make recommendations uh, to the Secretary of State that certain countries be classified as countries of particular concern. And if the Secretary accepts those recommendations, uh, he or she would then have the ability to, to apply executive actions, which include sanctions on the world's worst violators uh, of religious freedom. In these reports, we also see there are other categories, such as entities of particular concern, which we see applied to uh, certain terrorist organizations, and there's also a, um, a special watch list that is applied to to countries with high degrees of, of religious uh, freedom violations that, that the commission is just putting kind of a warning uh, flag on. So uh, they do great work. Um, their reports are, are essential uh, to really uh, calling uh, the U.S. to to support religious freedom uh, across the world. And again, as I mentioned, they're a, they're, they were created by the government to serve as a watchdog group uh, to the U.S. government. And so uh, them performing that, that duty uh, is, is vital. And so as, a, as an advocacy organization, what we look at is we're saying, okay, well, you as a commission are, are responsible for providing recommendations to the U.S. government. Um, are your recommendations correct, right? And so that is why we every year take a look at these reports 
and see what the commission uh, has got correctly, as well as what hasn't it got correctly? Where can it improve? Uh, overall, we're very grateful uh, for its work, but uh, we also believe that uh, it, it's important to, to hold uh, even watchdog groups accountable. So in, in some ways, you can say IDC can serve as a watchdog on the watchdog. Yeah. So one of the things with USERF that's interesting is that they can't sanction these countries, but the State Department can take their recommendations and do that. But even if they don't have that kind of teeth, from you know talking to Menza and others, they are able to uh, still highlight these issues and that some governments have in the past tried to figure out how can they avoid being put on you know a country of particular concern or on the special watch list, what laws, and how can they improve religious liberty to avoid that? Because I think it sounds like in talking to some people in some of these places where it's not egregious violations of religious liberty, it could just be government incompetence or government ignorance on how to do this in particular countries. At least that's been my feeling of talking to some different people. I'm not sure if you, that's your same feeling. It, it certainly, you know, and, and it's important to realize that the recommendations that USERF makes are really considered the first step in sanctioning a country for religious freedom violations. So while ultimately the Secretary of State has the final say, it's vital that USERF perform its job correctly and, and basically setting up these countries for that uh, determination. So if the commission, again, uh, fails to designate an egregious violator uh, or fails to recommend an egregious violator for CPC designation, uh, that means that possibly, uh, again, at the State Department level, uh, that certain country may not receive the attention that it deserves. Um, and conversely as well, we, we, we see issues where the, the commission is making recommendations that countries receive a CPC designation and the State Department may agree but may waive the country from receiving uh, sanctions and so uh, it goes both ways. So uh, again, uh, the work that it does is very important and, and this report is significant because again its recommendations are the first step uh, that, that basically the U.S. can take in sanctioning countries for religious freedom violations. Looking at the USERF report, what does what do they get right this year? I am I'm really continuously impressed with um, the, the the commission's assessment of uh, really egregious violators such as Saudi Arabia and Iran. Uh, in particular, USERF has been really the leading voice uh, in the U.S. government now for over 15 years and highlighting uh, religious freedom violations in in Saudi Arabia. Uh, in particular, uh, Saudi Arabia has been uh, recommended uh, for country of particular concern status annually since 2004. However, since 2006, it's, it's received a, a sanctions waiver from every single Secretary of State, um, from Republican administrations and Democratic administrations. And so there's been, been real no accountability uh, towards the kingdom. Uh, and And we all know what the trajectory is. We can look at Things such as uh, the war in Yemen, you know, the uh, again the the one-time imprisonment uh, uh, of women's uh, driving advocates, uh, obviously the dismemberment of, of Jamal Khashoggi, as uh, just a consistent pattern uh, reflecting that human rights in Saudi Arabia are on a downward trajectory. And so our recommendation is, you know, if you really want to look at reforming human rights in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, you know, if you want to look at, you know, where the rubber hits the road. We can look at religious freedom because the violations from the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia against religious freedom are unique 
in that it is the only country in the world uh, I'm aware of that actually does not contain a single church. It prohibits entirely all non-Islamic uh, places of worship. So it, its violations against the right to worship are uniquely uh, egregious. The commission also hits on strongly uh, with, with regards to religious freedom violations in, in Iran, and it hits on discrimination against Baha'is and Christians, as well as uh, issues such as the imprisonment of Christian uh, converts. It talks really uh, as well about uh, disturbing state-sponsored anti-Semitism uh, in, uh, in, in Iran. Um, I think that when it comes to, um, to Saudi Arabia and Iran, an area where uh, the report can improve is assessing uh, the foreign policy of these countries. Uh, it, it really looks heavily into the, the domestic religious freedom situation of both countries, but it, it does not pay a lot of attention to uh, the foreign policy of the, these countries. With Saudi Arabia, the commissions traditionally at least footnoted the issue of, of Saudi textbooks, and it's even mentioned reform, uh, which is encouraging. Uh, but obviously, the diffusion of Wahhabist theology has has pretty serious consequences. You know, it, 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 the commission itself has noted that Saudi Arabian textbooks were at one point used in the ISIS caliphate for their textbooks. Um, I think for I Iran in particular, it, it should really mention things such as Iran's support for, for terrorist groups internationally, uh, especially Hezbollah, seeing as it is really looking to uh, destabilize Lebanon pretty drastically, and that would have disastrous uh, consequences for uh, religious diversity uh, in the region. So uh, I, I think that looking at the foreign policy aspect of these countries and how it relates to religious freedom violations is really important. So to kind of move to some of the specific countries here, so there's several that we could talk about, but one that is probably of interest right at this moment because of Joe Biden's declaration or the recognition of the Armenian genocide would be Turkey. And so uh, the IDC recommended Turkey be a country of particular concern or a CBC, but USERF recommends that it remains on the special watch list. So first, why did the IDC want Turkey to be considered a country of particular concern? And second, why did USERF not place it on this worst tier? That's a great question. IDC really looks at Turkey as, especially under the, pre the presidency of Recep Tayyip Erdogan, uh, as posing uh, an existential threat uh, to Christianity in the region. And that has been the case uh, for decades now. Uh, to be clear, obviously, the Republic of Turkey was, was founded uh, after uh, the, the genocide that was committed uh, against the Christian communities of the former Ottoman Empire and was really based on a foundation of denying that that genocide even took place. And we can look at instances such as the continued closure of the Halki Theological Seminary, their continued interference in the patriarchates of the Greek Orthodox Church and the Armenian Orthodox Church, as well as the forced closure of over 500 churches in Turkish-occupied Cyprus as historic examples of state-sponsored Christian persecution. And really, they, Turkey should have been CPC'd years ago. Our determination was that over the course of the reporting period in 2020, there was an uptick, a, a unique increase uh, of, of persecution, particularly targeting Christians, uh, that made uh, Turkey deserving of a CPC designation. And we want to especially 
look at things such as the conversion of the Hagia Sophia, once Christianity's largest uh, cathedral, uh, into a mosque, which is entirely unnecessary in a country that is 0.2% Christian and over 98% uh, Muslim. Uh, we can look at uh, the sentencing of Father Aho, a Syriac Orthodox monk, to two years in prison uh, merely for providing uh, bread and water uh, to strangers who Turkey claims are PKK members, despite the fact uh, there is no evidence. We can look to that the president of Turkey, referring to Christians as quote-unquote uh, remnants of the sword. We can look to uh, Turkey's support uh, for militias in Syria who are committing uh, ethnic cleansing against uh, Kurds, Yazidis, Christians, and others. We can look to uh, Turkey's supporting militias that have former ISIS members uh, in their ranks and exporting those militias uh, to Azerbaijan in their war with, with Armenia, uh, which had significant religious overtures. We can even look at the speech that, that President Erdogan gave after uh, converting the Hagia Sophia into a mosque in which he claims he, he, that Turkey had the right to do uh, such an action because of the conquest of Istanbul. So again, that, that happened in the, in the 15th century. So the entire basis for such a move is, is fundamentally pre-modern and not acknowledging um, of the modern human rights uh, regime. And our, our case was significant. We, we actually... Uh, sent a letter to the commission expressing our concern. I want to highlight that one of the signatories of that le letter was Congressman Frank Wolf, who authored the 1998 International Religious Freedom Act, which actually gives the commission its mandate. So the author uh, of, of the act himself looked at the actions of the government of Turkey and felt that it, it justified the CPC designation uh, under, under the, the legislation that authorizes the commission. It's unfortunate the commission um, did not agree with our recommendation. Uh, their rationale is very suspect, though. Uh, in particular, the commission makes several excellent recommendations about how the U.S. can counter Turkey. However, you'll notice that they're not actually in the section under, under the country of Turkey. Uh, and this was pointed out by Richard Gazelle. But we can look at the Yusuf's report on Iraq, where we, we, we see that Yusuf highlights that Turkey's airstrikes of the Kurdistan Workers Party in Sinjar have very minimal actions to protect civilians and have brought a lot of devastation to a Yazidi community suffering from ISIS. We also can see, uh, in particular in, in the Syria chapter of the report, Yusuf dedicates significant attention to the role of Turkey, particular areas under Turkish occupation, but just threats that, that Turkey poses to religious minorities in Syria and to the autonomous administration in the Northeast, which is a region where Commissioner Manza spoke of on your podcast, a region that actually has religious freedom. So it, it's a bit strange that Turkey's destructive actions in the region fall under the reporting of Iraq and Syria, but under the Turkey chapter, they're not mentioned at all. Um, I, I should say we're very happy um, that the commission celebrated uh, the Armenian genocide being recognized by President Biden, but these reports uh, in many years actually mention nothing of the fact that the government of Turkey sponsors a campaign, an international campaign of genocide denial. So I, I think that there are some issues with regards to how the commission understands it's authorizing le legislation, or maybe, or maybe there's a need to improve the legislation, but uh, with a country like Turkey, 
just not taking into account its foreign policy or attributing its foreign policy to the chapter and the designation of Turkey, I think we're were some real weaknesses in this report. So to kind of move south a little bit from Turkey, Iraq and Syria. So what's the uh, what does the report say about these two places and what does the IDC think about their conclusions? It's a great question. Uh, in, in Iraq, we obviously see that uh, before 2003, there were over 1.5 million Christians there. And today, uh, the, the commission notes that, that the, Iraq, uh, the Iraqi Christian community is less than 200,000. Um, they, they make some excellent, they actually analyze Iraq very well. Uh, Yusuf notes that, in particular, many Iraqi Christians are displaced in Iraqi Kurdistan, which is an issue that we at IBC have highlighted before. But the commission notes that less than 50% of Christians have been able to return to their native communities in the Nineveh Plains because of Iranian-backed mobilization forces. Uh, I mentioned as well that, that the commission uh, correctly notes the destructive role of Turkey in Sinjar and how the actions of the Turkish government are, are harming a Yazidi community still suffering from ISIS. Uh, Yusuf also notes the important role that the over $389 million uh, from USAID to ISIS genocide survivor communities, especially Christians and Yazidis, how crucial that aid is and how important it is for the Biden administration to build on that aid and really to institutionalize uh, America's genocide response. The USERF analysis on Syria uh, is, is, is excellent. It, it, it mentions a number of uh, destructive actors uh, ranging from the Assad regime to, to Hayat Tahrir Hashem, uh, designating this former Al-Qaeda affiliate uh, as an entity of particular concern, and, and Turkey itself. Uh, what I really appreciate about the Syria chapter is that designation of Hayat Tahrir Hashem as an entity of particular concern, because there's been a bit of a, a blurring of understanding of this group uh, by, by some voices in the United States. Uh, in particular, Mohammed Al-Jolani, who is the leader of this group, again, a former Al-Qaeda affiliate, and this gentleman is a U.S.-designated terrorist, uh, actually appeared on PBS NewsHour earlier this month, and he actually uh, pleaded for U.S. military support uh, for his group because it is opposed to the Assad regime. And what was also concerning is that James Jeffrey, who previously served as a U.S. special representative for Syria engagement, agreed and, and stated that Jelani's group was an asset to American strategy in Idlib. So there, there's a very odd contradiction here in that you have a religious freedom watchdog uh, organization, uh, again, really government uh, sanctioned commission, raising the flag about the, this organization. And at the same time, uh, we, we see a former U.S. government official who many are, are frankly concerned about his own relations with, with, uh, with Turkey in particular. But on this issue, it's, it's, it's clear as well that the, the case he's making for the U.S. to arm, you know, a former Al-Qaeda affiliate is incredibly concerning. Uh, and so I, I appreciate the, um, the commission's um, designation, the recommendation for that entity of particular concern. And I'll just add that they make a very compelling case uh, for the U.S. to really, uh, to really uh, grant a degree of recognition to the autonomous administration of northeast Syria, as Commissioner Manza has noted. Uh, this is a region of the country that, that really is, is doing um, a historic uh, job in promoting religious freedom, uh, religious tolerance, gender equality. And these are values that are really aligned with our own values here in the U.S. So I, I think that they did a very good job uh, with that recommendation. 
And one thing I would add is that you have written something for Providence that we will run in sometime soon. And so we will add links to that when it is ready, because I know you talk about some of those same topics. So we'll add links to that as well as to the report and to the uh, event that the IDC put on last week. You'll have a YouTube video of that event. So we'll we'll share all of that in the show notes. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think those are uh, great resources uh, that people can take a look at and and use to, to learn more about um, actions the U.S. can take to support Middle Eastern Christians, uh, as well as, again, I think what's really excellent about this, this USERF report is that it is a bipartisan commission. And so it does provide a very good roadmap for how Democrats and Republicans can work together uh, to promote uh, basic American values in a very common sense way. And to cover one more country, there's several many, several countries we could talk about, and I do recommend the uh, video I alluded to just a few moments ago because y'all cover many more of those. But one more that we can talk about on the podcast in our remaining time is Egypt to move a little south from Turkey and Iraq and Syria because Egypt is an interesting case because you have some positive moves, but I know that the IDC has pointed out some negative developments going on in Egypt. Would you like to talk about that and what the report has to say? Absolutely. You, you serve Egypt analysis is exceptionally uh, helpful. It's, it's been strong uh, for many years now. They acknowledge that uh, the tone of, of President Sisi uh, of tolerance uh, is helpful, but they also highlight the very dramatic shortcomings and how that tone hasn't always translated uh, to policy and real change. Something that that we have criticized at IDC before, uh, specifically in an article for Providence, was the fact that following uh, an event on Coptic Christians that we hosted that actually featured staff from USERF, uh, Commissioner Manza, Kurt Worthmuller, an event that featured Samuel Tedros of the Hudson Institute, as well as Congressman Brad Sherman and Congressman French Hill, raising the alarm about religious freedom violations in Egypt. We we saw that the Egyptian embassy had actually hired a lobbying firm to basically produce a very misleading fact sheet stating that Egypt is a country where religious freedom exists today. And that is really the problem here is that this is a country that is making some improvements, but relies pretty extensively on a very misleading narrative that, that everything is that everything is fine, that it's reached some utopian state of tolerance. And the reality is just far from the truth. In particular, uh, in December 2020, we actually saw that an Egyptian court acquitted three men uh, who had actually stripped a 70-year-old woman, a Suet Tabet, completely naked and dragged her through the streets of a town in Minya province in an act of public shaming, just based on rumors about her family, you know, just completely acquitted them. And, and Samuel Tedros has made this point excellently before, but mob attacks are very common in Egypt and punishments are very rare. And, and instead, what we often see with those who attack Christians is that the local security forces pressure Christians into forgiving their attackers in a quote unquote reconciliation session, which is essentially just a sidestepping of a legitimate judicial and criminal process. We also see, again, that Rami Kemal, a Coptic Christian advocate, uh, remains uh, in prison, uh, and he's never formally been charged. He's been in pretrial detention for over a year, 
despite the fact that Senator Chris Coons and Senator Tom Tillis have written to the Egyptian embassy about his plight. Again, there's been no response on this. Uh, we also see that you know Coptic Christians are living fundamentally as second-class citizens. They're unable to obtain uh, positions in the highest level security offices in their country or even on the national soccer team. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, uh, the problem of terrorism remains real. Uh, just a week ago, we saw Nabil Habashi uh, killed by ISIS affiliates. Uh, and so uh, the country is not fundamentally secure. So there's a, a series of, 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 of very legitimate concerns here. And, and we're very grateful for the work that the commission's done in highlighting where, where Egypt has to look to make serious improvements. Was there anything else you wanted to cover? We're just very grateful to to live. You know, the fact that the U.S. actually funds a government sanctioned commission that is intended to put pressure on itself is very unique. I I couldn't tell you of another country in the world that actually funds a commission that's intended to to hold the funder that is the host country's government accountable. Uh, for making improvements to promote religious freedom. It's it's an exceptional idea. And we're just very grateful as well to the commissioners. Um, this is a, a group of, of bipartisan officials appointed by the president, the majority leader, the minority leader, the speaker of the house. Uh, and it's just, it's amazing to see people of different political persuasions working together on on basic human rights issues like religious freedom. And I think that especially in today's kind of uh, very you know, this age of, of hyper-partisanship that the recommendations of this commission are, they're, they're common sense. They're, and again, religious freedom helps everybody of every religion or of no religion. There are things we all can agree on. Uh, and they're, they're just basic priorities that are, are achievable. And so uh, the work that they do is important and we're just incredibly grateful uh, for the commission. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us on the Foreign Policy Provcast today. And we appreciate your work and look forward to your future writing. Absolutely, Mark. Looking forward to staying engaged.